Well, I'm so glad you joined us today for this final sermon on the art of neighboring, a skill that many of us have been working on this month. Jesus was clear that he expects us to be great neighbors. He even said that loving God with all we have and all we are, plus loving our neighbors as ourselves, these are the two greatest of all the commands in the Bible. Knowing that, there is no need for us to become knowledgeable about any of the other commands unless we are willing to obey these two. Now, this month, we have focused mainly on how well we are loving our literal neighbors, the people who live nearest to our homes. So, like many of you, I've been making a greater effort to know my neighbors so that I could become more aware of uh, what I could do to serve them. I asked the Lord for natural opportunities to come up, and they did. On three different occasions this month, at one point, I talked to one neighbor, just asking him how things were going, but it wasn't long before he was telling me that his long-term girlfriend had dumped him, and he was obviously pretty sad about that. I asked another neighbor how he and his wife were getting along during this weird season, and he said they were doing just fine, but they were concerned about their daughter, who was a school teacher, and they said that they had never seen her so stressed. Another neighbor dropped by just to talk about we were getting the tree trimmed in between our houses, but when I asked her for an update on her husband's slowly declining health, she shared her concerns with great sadness in her voice. In all three cases, my neighbors are going through troubling times that I would not have known about had I not asked, and all three of them welcomed the offer I made that Brenda and I would be praying for them. And in less than a month, I've become a slightly better neighbor. I'm hearing that many of you are experiencing the same thing, reaching out to your neighbors and obeying the command of Christ to love them. So, keep it up. Now for today's Bible study, let's open again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 30, to the parable that Jesus told about neighboring. Uh, you might remember that Pastor Steve Engel opened with this uh, the, the same story when he opened the series a month ago, where Jesus told an expert in the Jewish law that God fully expected him to love his neighbor as himself. The man asked the Lord, well, who exactly is my neighbor? And Christ replied by telling the man this simple story. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So according to Jesus, you could be a really religious guy and a terrible neighbor. Uh, these two guys saw the wounded man, but were obviously not willing to help. They even crossed the road the, to the other side of the road to avoid even getting near him. Now, everyone back then knew that this particular road was a dangerous mountain pass, a stretch where thieves might be waiting to ambush a person. Once you were on the Jericho Road, you kept moving. But then along comes this guy. A Samaritan, verse 33, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. 
Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might have. Well, in this parable, uh, Jesus is defining neighboring. When the scriptures command the God follower to love their neighbor as themselves, this is what it means. So I broke the story into eight things that the Samaritan did. We'll call it Good Samaritan Neighboring. First of all, he saw the wounded man and he didn't rush on. Feeling compassion, he was concerned that this man was wounded. So he approached him. Now he could have acted like the other two guys and crossed to the other side of the road rushing past, but he didn't. He got down in the dirt and began to wash the bloody wounds and, and, and soothe the bruises that the man had, taking the man to the nearby inn, even staying with him overnight. No doubt the Samaritan was on his way somewhere, but he was willing to let those plans fall apart because this man needed his help. He used his own oil and his own wine to dress the wounds, and then he paid for both of them to stay in the inn, and when he left, he left two days' wages with the innkeeper, offering more later if needed, returning later to see that the problem was resolved and the bill was paid. Now, he did eight things. Honestly, I know you won't remember the list of eight things. I know I can't. But what if we narrowed down neighboring to three things? Could you remember the three main things that the Good Samaritan did? All right, let's give it a try. We'll call it seeing feeling compassion, and coming near, and we're going to call all of those three the one thing. See. Say that. See. That's the first thing. Then the next four, which were getting your hands dirty, meeting the need, being inconvenienced, and offering resources, let's bunch all those together and call it share. Then the last one circling back, we'll call that stay. So we could define Good Samaritan neighboring as see, share, stay. Now, even I can remember that. This is what Jesus means when he commissions us to be the church on our street, doing for others as you would want others to do for you. Neighboring is, is, is entering into someone else's chaos, someone else's mess, in small ways and in great ways, but being there 24-7. Now, Jesus models this in the Gospels over and over uh, he moves toward a person in a neighboring way with very real help. From the very start of his public ministry, we see him solving problems for people one at a time. Think about this. His neighbors in Cana run out of wine at the wedding. He provides the wine. His neighbor in Capernaum, his daughter dies. And Jesus comes over to his house and he raises the daughter back to life. There's a man with a serious skin disease who approaches Christ. And Jesus does something for that man that even his own family would not have done. Let's open the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8 together and see how many of us notice something Christ did that he didn't have to do as he healed the guy. I'll read it to you, Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, and see if you notice what Christ does that he didn't have to do. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Did you see it? Did you see something that Jesus did for the man before he healed him? 
he touched him. He risked touching his skin, even though leprosy was thought to be contagious. Even though touching the man made Jesus ceremonially impure. Even though Christ didn't even have to touch him in order to heal him. But Jesus knew something. He knew how powerful physical touch can be to someone who hasn't been touched for a very long time. Anyone else would look at this man and see a skin disease. Jesus looked at him and saw the intense loneliness and isolation he was suffering. There was another lonely man that Jesus reached out to. Uh, his story is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, where Christ neighbored a man who was not physically sick, but socially sick. A man who wanted for little except friends. See, he had ripped off all his friends. When he signed up as a local tax collector, a Jew collaborating with the hated Roman occupiers. But that day, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, I mean really saw him, when he went to his home, he became his friend, and everything changed. Sometimes good neighboring means making friends with someone most people don't really like. One Cornerstone member uh, reached out this week to tell me that his... Uh, this series reminded him of a situation in his neighborhood of, of feelings that he harbored for a long time about his neighbors across the street who had given him the cold shoulder for eight years. Now, my friend is white and the neighbors are Pakistani. And over the years, he built a false narrative about them. He found himself resenting them because they rejected his friendly overtures. He, he, he writes, it didn't even occur to me that they were probably holding back because they sensed my hostility and didn't understand where it was coming from. Now, it was recently overcome, not when my friend reached out, but when the woman came across the street to, to break the ice and risk being friendly with him. A misunderstanding that lasted eight years between neighbors. Jesus wants us to be good neighbors because we were created for community. It's simply not healthy for the families in each home of our neighborhood to be so isolated, so insulated. As the Apostle Paul wrote, He, Jesus, is our peace, who has torn down the dividing wall of hostility between us. You know, we live in a world where people naturally leave each other alone. And it's too bad because right next door, someone uh, could be struggling and you wouldn't even know it. As the church, we are not called to love our neighbors from a distance. We are called, like Jesus, to be willing to step into life with people near to us. They're wounded or just weary. We carry each other's burdens. It was the Apostle Paul who also wrote, Carry one another's burdens, and you will fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what so many cornerstoners have been doing during this series on neighboring. Last week, I heard a story about one street where 12 moms are being good neighbors to each other. Now, I only know two of the 12 to even be Christ followers, but they all are neighboring. Let me read to you from the email one of them sent me. Pastor Steve, she said, there are 12 moms on my street who are all in a text thread together. 
As you've taught about neighboring, I have started to list everything we have done for each other lately. One mom lost her job, so another mom lined up a job interview. That same mom had a police officer outside her house looking over her fence. She wasn't home, so we all texted to see what was up. Apparently, her son, who was home, had set off an alarm. So we went over to make sure uh, that everything was okay. Another mom had her car broken into, so we all summoned, surrounded her with comfort and agreed to watch each other's houses whenever anyone is away. The fire alarm went off in someone's house one night and one of us checked in. They had just had a grease fire and they were grateful that someone came over. One mom was caught in traffic one day and couldn't get home to her kids, so she texted us all to ask if we would watch them. We gather outside on a front lawn every few weeks and it's amazing what we end up talking about. What a great community these 12 women have created. You know, individuals can be good neighbors, as can entire congregation. Neighboring is what Cornerstone Walnut Creek and Cornerstone Danville did when they discovered under-resourced students nearby. Soon they were purchasing those neighbor kids school supplies, food vouchers, even Chromebooks and Wi-Fi access. The very thought that students living in Eastern Contra Costa County were going to fall behind was not acceptable to those Cornerstoners uh, who, well, saw, shared, and stayed. They saw the need, they shared their time and their money, and now they're sticking around to make sure these kids don't fall behind. Another friend, Ruth, who lives in Castor Valley, told me that she's seeing some amazing changes in what people are sharing on the Nextdoor app since March. Before COVID, the app was a, just a hub for sharing local gossip, information, and exchanging goods and services. But since COVID, people have stepped up as neighbors. And at least in Castor Valley, anytime someone shares a need, the need is immediately met above and beyond. And then there are those asking for prayer at this, on this public site. Look at these screenshots of a prayer request from August 3rd with over 200 responses, the latest one being from yesterday. Look, you can read along with me. Um, August 3rd, my, my, my son, my son-in-law has COVID. He works at a prison in Bakersfield. The last Tuesday, he had to be admitted to the hospital. He was having a hard time breathing. Then two days ago, he had to be put on a ventilator, and now he has a blood clot in his leg. So devastating, it really brings it to focus how dangerous this is when you know someone. He's a husband, a father, a grandfather, a good man. So if you can please say a prayer for Leonard, as well as praying for the entire world, we are all in this together. Thank you and God bless. This prayer request went out to 52 neighborhoods. Uh, and you can see some of the, the responses from the Fairview, Fairview District. I'm not a church going man, but I too have experienced the power of prayer. Prayers going out from Briar Ridge Drive. Lord God, maker of heaven and earth and all that dwells within, please, Lord, heal Leonard in every way. Bless him with a full recovery. You are the almighty God and nothing is too hard for you. Bless this family with your peace and loving kindness toward one another. Hear our prayer, Lord, in the all-powerful, majestic name of Jesus. Amen. I'm looking forward to hearing your praise report. Also from Fairview, update on Leonard. Oh, this is back to the, the gal. He's not getting better. All of you have been my prayer warriors and I feel blessed. Thank you. Please continue to pray as I pray for all of you. God bless. From Stonebray, we are praying. Hang in there. 
uh, from Creekside. We as a family and an entire church prayed for Leonard's recovery and your emotional well-being. May God's blessing give you strength in this difficult time. There were 200 responses like this as neighbors reached out to one another. Prayers were asked for and given. So maybe you could jump onto your local Nextdoor app and start meeting needs like this, including the need for prayer. And maybe you're the one who should be asking for prayer. Your Nextdoor app is your own church. And this link will connect you to us and let us know your need. But you've got to tell us your need. Why is it so difficult for so many of us to admit we need help? Your church is ready to help. It's why we're your church, but we have to know what you need. Accessing this link will get you resources you run low on, and it will activate our prayer warriors to intercede for you. You're not alone, so let us know what you need, and we will stand with you, especially if what you need is prayer or maybe some wise counsel. You know, it's okay to be on the receiving end. Let us pray for you now. Before I hand it to the worship team, I want to ask if you are struggling in any way. I wonder if, if something is overwhelming you, some seemingly impossible situation. Remember, we have a God who is with us, who wants to provide for us. He's ready and able to step into whatever you are dealing with today. Do you feel overwhelmed? I know I do. Have you been fighting to keep your emotions steady? I have, even today. Today was a down day for me. Do you feel angry when you wake up in the morning? Do you wonder if God is gonna come through for you or for your organization? Well, I could pray for you on that one. Do you wonder how you're gonna navigate this week's challenges? I don't know what God's gonna do, but I'll tell you this, God sees you and he loves you. Let him in. Remember that verse in Revelation where Jesus says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Wouldn't that be great? If you really let Jesus in today, if you didn't hold any of that stress close, but you just reached out and opened your hand and gave it to the Lord. If you started the week by inviting him into the chaos, you know, we're praying for you right now. Stay with us during this worship and prayer set. And Brenda and I will return to close it out.